kids, you're here with me today, and here, here's, here's what I want you to understand, is that uh, when you guys go to your classes every Sunday, uh, we just simply open the Bible and see what the Lord has to say to us. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, because we are convinced, uh, we know that the Bible is the Word of God, that He gave us the Bible uh, in a miraculous way, over 1,500 years, different parts of the Bible uh, were written that God inspired people to write the Bible, and um, dozens of people were involved in writing the Bible, and God spoke into every part of it, and we believe every part of the Bible is important. So this morning, you're with us, but we're still just simply going to open the Bible, which is God's Word, and see what the Lord has to say to us, all right? You guys good with that? All right, I know you are. Thank you. Um, also, I had a great, um, oh good, that's blank back there, because that's not, um, I had a great picture of uh, two of our, Jenna and my favorite people, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Anybody know who they are? Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Fixer Upper, uh, great show. We watch it. I record it so we can watch it whenever we get a chance. Uh, and they are famous. Their, their big line is that they take um, the worst houses in the best neighborhoods and they completely overhaul them. They completely remodel them and make them the nicest house. And, and uh, you know, it is reality TV. So they, they have a few tricks that the rest of the world doesn't have. But they take these old dilapidated houses and remodel them and make them into these spectacular uh, beautiful homes and sometimes on the show uh, people have uh, you, you know people have gotten houses for almost nothing because they're in such bad shape and then by the end of the show there's these beautiful masterpiece these show homes that you you walk through and I, I was thinking about this can you imagine if you uh, used to own that home <laughs> you know, uh, way back, and uh, you, were, you were coming through Waco, Texas, and you thought, I'm just going to drive by and see the old house. And it was one of the houses that, that Chip and Joanna Gaines had remodeled, and, and you drove up to that house, and you realized all of a sudden, wait a minute, did, I can think those are the right numbers. Where did our house go? Uh, because it looks so different and so modern and so beautiful, or, or maybe it was now it's, it was, you know, a colonial and now it's a ranch, and I don't know, I don't get all that stuff. But they can do all of these changes. They're masters of fixing up bad-looking houses. And what we're going to talk about this morning is that God is in the fixer-upper business that God is in the fixer-upper business. One of the things I love about um, Chip and Joanna is that they, they can take this, this old house and, and they'll give it some funny name and then they'll start to dream about what this house could look like. And I'm not really good at that. When I see an old broken down house, I see an old broken down house and my mind doesn't immediately go to, oh wow, if you just did these 10 things, you know, you could really change this house and it would look like this and it would, you know, have this kind of appeal and I don't get any of that. I, after they're done, I, oh yeah, that's awesome, but in the, ahead of time, I, I don't see it. And that's really true in my life as well, that, that a lot of times God is working in my life, God's shaping me, he's changing me, but I don't see it ahead of time. It, it's just, I don't have the vision for that, I, I don't have the foresight, I, I don't get at what he's doing all of the time, and, and sometimes I even push back a little bit, because I don't, I don't understand, I don't see what he's doing, there they are, God bless you, Chip and Joanna. Uh, 
You know what, he was, a, he was a young life leader in college too. That just kind of makes him cooler, I think, you know. Um, but uh, they, uh, they have a gift. And, and if you were driving up and you saw how different, you'd be amazed at, at what can happen. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning, is that God is not just in the fixer-upper business, but he's in the recreating business. And we're going to look at... Um, we're going to look at a passage this morning. We're going to open the Bible and let the Lord speak to us. And, and I want to tell you ahead of time that when, as we read this passage, sometimes it helps to sort of break it down into pieces. And so we're going to, we're going to discover four things uh, from this passage this morning. Uh, the first one is that, referring to Christ, that he sees in us what we can't see. That Jesus sees in us what we can't see. The second thing that we're going to look at this morning is that he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He can change us. He can recreate us. He can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The third thing that we're going to learn this morning is that he can pay the price for our transformation. That there are things in our lives, there are changes that need to happen, there are transformations in our lives that we can't do anything about, that we can't fix, we can't make happen, but he can pay the price for our transformation. And then the last thing is that he trusts us with his mission. Finally, he trusts us with his mission. And we're gonna, we're gonna learn about those four things this morning. We're gonna look at those four things out of the book of 2 Corinthians. Yes, it is 2 Corinthians uh, 5. And we're gonna look at verses 17 to 21. So let's start reading together. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, beginning at verse 17. Let's just read that one first. It says this, Therefore, and therefore in, in the Bible always tells you because of what has happened, and in this case because of what Christ has done, because of who Jesus is, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and, and I want you to look at these words because it doesn't say uh, really nice people, it doesn't say just really good people. It doesn't say really wealthy people, really educated people. It says anyone. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us would qualify this morning as anyone. If anyone is in Christ, if Christ lives in you and, and you live in him, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. You know, we talk about this, that not only is God in the fixer-upper business, but God is in the transformation business, that when we look at our lives, the very first thing that he does, the very first thing that God does in our lives is he begins to transform us from the inside out. And you might look at your life and say, well, I still look the same and I kind of feel the same, but we don't always have the vision. We don't always see what God's doing on the inside of us and he's in the transformation business and he says that you become a new creation. And I think that sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't really believe God. We, we kind of we get caught up in what we look like and, and what's going on around us and we forget the fact that he promised us that. And because he's God and because he always keeps his promises, we know that if we commit our lives to him, if Christ is in us, that, that we are a new creation, that we have uh, experienced a new creation in our lives. And then he goes on to say that all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become righteous, the righteousness of God. You know, sometimes when I get up uh, to do a sermon, I know that there are two kinds of people in the crowd. I mean, there's like a gazillion kinds of people in the crowd, but there are two primary people in the crowd. One are the folks that, that, that they know that they belong to Jesus, and they know that they're in Christ, and they know that, that God has begun that journey in their lives to the new creation that he is working on them he's transforming us from the inside out and then other people are here and they've never experienced that transformation of Jesus they've never invited Christ into their into their lives and and so Paul is talking to us about what Christ has done and then at the end of this passage he comes back and he says and I implore you let me just throw this in I just beg you I ask you as strong as I can that if you've not been reconciled be reconciled to God that's where it all starts allow God to start that change process in your life. Give him permission to begin to change you from the inside out. And, and so God sees us through his eyes and not ours. God has that vision. He knows that who we can become if we allow him to recreate us, if we allow him to transform us. He knows that he's got an idea for us that's greater, that's bigger, that's more important than anything that we've ever thought of. We, we kind of have these ideas of what our life should look like and, and what it should be like. And right now we're thinking about 2017 and, and, and maybe we're making a few New Year's resolutions. Maybe we're thinking about what we want this year to look like. And God's saying, if you would just, if you just pay attention to me, I have a better idea. I see th things in your life that you can't even see yet, that you're not aware of yet. So open your heart, open your life to me and see what I can do. The fixer-upper in our lives starts with rebirth. There's a passage in John 3 that a religious man named Nicodemus came to Jesus and he was embarrassed and he was afraid so he, he came by night. He came when it was dark and he looks at Jesus, he meets Jesus and he says, what, what can I do? What can I do to be saved? What can I do to start that transformation? And, and you know what Jesus said? He said to him, you need to be born again. You, you need a total transformation in your life. You, you don't need just a fixer-upper, but you need to become new. That's what I've came for. I've came to make you new. And, and Nicodemus, who was a really religious guy, and he was a very smart guy and very educated guy, but he didn't get that, and, and he's wondering. He asked Jesus what he had to do to inherit eternal life, and Jesus said, you have to be born again. And confused, Nicodemus said, wait a minute, I, I'm, an, I'm an adult. I'm a grown-up. How can I be reborn? And Jesus says, it's trusting in me. Jesus said this, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus is saying the first time that you're born, you're born through your mom, you're born of water, but the second time you're born of the spirit, that it's something I do in your life. It's a process that I start. The second birth is a spiritual birth. And so he's, Jesus says to him, you don't need to be surprised and you don't need to be astonished that I say unless you're born again. So the the first part of a fixer-upper in our lives begins with rebirth. 
And, and then the, the second part, it, it starts with, the, with the kind of the similar idea of, of the idea of salvation, the idea of repenting of our sins, asking Christ to come into our life. And in John three seventeen, Jesus says this, indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him that we were already condemned and God sent his son in the world to save us. So the second part of our fixer-upper, the second idea that I want us to make sure that we get this morning is that it's about salvation. It's about being saved. It's about being rescued. It's about being reminded that without Christ, I have no chance. Without Christ, I'm already condemned. Without Christ, I'm already lost. It's only through Christ that I have life. And Christ came to save us, not to condemn us. That was his mission. And it came on the cross. And that's the history of salvation is that God sent his son to die on a cross for us. So the third thing about a fixer-upper is that it also involves forgiveness. Uh, John three uh, of that same uh, John three of that same passage uh, tells the story of Nicodemus, but it says that those that believe in him are not condemned, but those who uh, do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. And that's when he talks about forgiveness. There's another verse where he says that if we confess our sins, um, he is able and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, he promises to forgive us of our sins. That's a promise that Jesus gives us. So we see that we need rebirth and we see that we need salvation. And then uh, third, we recognize that we need forgiveness. Now, I'm going to talk to the adults here because this is a little bit just for you, and I've said this before, but it's my gift of repetition, that most of us are pretty good at confessing. We're just really bad at receiving forgiveness. That we like to confess things to the Lord, and then we want to hang on to them. We love to hang on to the guilt. We, we love to hang on to the, uh, to the sadness. We love to hang on to the bad feelings. We love to hang on to the failure. For whatever reason, we, we'll confess those things, but then we don't receive his forgiveness. We don't allow him to forgive us, and he's promised that if we confess our sins, he'll cleanse us, he'll wipe it away, he'll take those sins away from our heart and our mind and our life, and he gives us that promise. And he said, but what you need to do is not just confess, but then receive my forgiveness. Thank him for his forgiveness. Receive that. There's a word that's used in this passage called reconciled. It's kind of a big word. It's a cool word. I have a thing with my, um, my eight-year-old grandson, Eli, and he likes me to teach him big words. And so we'll, I'll throw out a word to him. You know, I'll talk to him about what's, what's it mean to be superstitious? And he'll look at me and he goes, that's a good word, Grandpa. That's a big word. And we'll talk about it or we'll talk about, you know, it's just some other kind of word. And he loves big words. And, and so sometimes, though, when we get these big words in the Bible, we have to explain what they are. And, and so be to reconcile this simply this, that, that God bought us back, that we belong to him, that he created us, but then we got lost, then we got far from him. And he said, not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to buy you back. And Jesus went to the cross, he died on a cross so he could buy us back, pay the penalty for our sin, pay the price for us wandering away from him. That's what it means to be reconciled. It means to be bought back, redeemed, claimed, that God loved us so much that he said, even though it's your fault, even though that you've wandered away, I'm gonna buy you back. 
I'm going to claim you back because you belong to me. And so when Paul, when the Apostle Paul writes this and he uses that big word reconciled, he's reminding us of how much God loves us, how much it cost him to bring us back to himself, to redeem us, to reconcile us back to himself. Well, we've got this. And then here's the, here's the next one is that, that reconciled also means to be brought back into a relationship. It's something we can't do by ourselves. It comes from God, and the passage tells us that, that God does this through Jesus Christ, that God wants a relationship with us. So there's a great picture that I love, and that's, it's the difference between Christianity and religion, right? And religion has always been defined as man reaching up to God. What can I do to be okay with God? What can I do to be seen better by God? What can I do to to be more like God? But Christianity is the opposite. Christianity is God reaching down to us. That God said, I know you can't reach me. I know you can't get there, but so I'm gonna reach down and get you. I'm gonna reach down and take your life. I'm gonna offer myself to you because I want a relationship with you. I love you. I want us to know each other. One of the reasons that he gave us the Bible is so that we can know him. I've, I joke about this because people ask me sometimes, you know, say to me, you know, if God would just speak to me, then I'd really know. And I say, well, if you want God to speak to you, just read your Bible. God will speak to you through his word. That is God's word to us. So he wants a relationship with us. And here's the last thing in this passage that's so amazing to me. So he has given us rebirth, he's given us salvation. Um, he's given us forgiveness. He's given us a relationship with him. He's reconciled us. And then do you know what God does? Then he says, and now, now I want you to be my ambassadors. I, I want you to represent me wherever you go. You see, an ambassador is somebody that usually we think of an ambassador, somebody that goes to a foreign country and they represent our government. So if you're the ambassador to Great Britain and you're, a, you're an American, you're a citizen of the United States, but you're given the authority to go and represent the United States in some other country in Great Britain or Germany or some other place. And here's what Jesus says, is that now you're a citizen of my kingdom. Now you belong to my family. And I want to send you out into a world that's lost. I want to send you out into a world that's confused. I want to send you out into a world that's hurting and I want you to go on my authority. I want you to be my ambassador. Have you ever thought of yourself as an ambassador? That seems sort of like a big deal, right? I mean, it seems kind of an important thing to be an ambassador and here's what Jesus says. I want you to be my ambassador. Uh, That's the last thing on on our list that we are, that he sends us out, that he gives us his mission. You see, Christ came to redeem the world And he said, now I want you to go and to be my ambassadors to a lost world, a hurting world. It's my authority. Okay, so this this raises the stakes for us, doesn't it? Because uh, that's a scary thing. I'm gonna go out tomorrow and, and wherever I go, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I'm an ambassador for his kingdom. That people, when they see my life, that might be the first glimpse they get of what it means to be a follower of Jesus or what Jesus looks like or or what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. It's gonna be how I live my life. It's gonna be how I conduct myself and they're gonna see Jesus through my life and the question is what Jesus are they gonna see 
it's pretty sad sometimes the Jesus that people see through us, isn't it? It's not a great, we're not doing always doing a great job of being an ambassador. And this is why, here's the secret, all right? This is why we're taught to start at the beginning. Start with rebirth. Recognize that Christ has, has made us new, a new creation. And then go to salvation, that we recognize that Christ has saved us. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we could do for ourselves, but it's something that he's done for us. And then we go right from there to forgiveness, that he's forgiven us, and we receive his forgiveness. So we go out into our lives free of those old things, free of those sins that have held us, allowing him to take those things for us. He took them on the cross. He's saying, what do you keep bringing them back? What do you keep adding them back? And then from there, we recognize that we have a relationship with him, that the God of the universe wants to know us. He wants, us to, be, he wants to be known by us. And then he says, I'm not done with you. And it seems kind of like a bad plan to me because I know me. And he's saying, Larry, now I want you to go out and be my ambassador." That's how much I love you. That's how much I trust you. That's how important the transformation. I'm gonna do something with your life that you never dreamed could be done. Not only am I gonna save you, not only am I gonna transform you, not only am I reconciling you and forgiving you, but now I am making you the picture of Jesus for the world. And all of us together, we form that picture. The picture of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him. Desperately needs to see him. So as we approach 2017, actually, we hit 2017, as we start this new year, what if we ask God, not just for a fixer-upper, but for a transformation? What if we ask the Lord to help us to see all that he's doing? Uh, that we open up our hearts and our minds and say, Lord, here, do whatever you need to do for me to be the right ambassador for your kingdom, to be the right representative of you, so that when people see my life, they see Jesus. They experience the love of Christ. They, they experience that relationship. They experience his kingdom, that people see you in me. After all, he sees in us what we can't see. He can do for us what we can't do for ourselves and he can pay the price for our transformation, and he trusts us with his mission. Now, here's the last little thing. I read this story, it's my last Christmas story of the year, okay? But I read this story about a family, and they had a 12-year-old, it's a true story, they had a 12-year-old girl named Jeannie. And they, the, every year, they would wait till Christmas Eve, and then they would go and find a tree. They'd go to a tree lot and buy a Christmas tree. Now, that's been a tradition for years and years. Now, a lot of us now, I mean, it's December 1st, put up the tree, you know, the fake tree, whatever, you know, get the lights up, all this stuff. Um, you know, but this family and lots of families before them would wait till Christmas Eve, and that's when they would decorate the tree together and get everything ready. Well, this family had that tradition. They would go out and buy a tree on Christmas Eve and then decorate it. Well, 12-year-old Jeannie didn't like any of the trees her family was picking out. They were tall and beautiful and full, but none of them appealed to her and her, her brothers and sisters and her mom and dad, they were getting kind of, kind of, you know, 
shopping fatigue, right? They're tired of looking at trees. They're all starting to look alike to them. And they finally said, when are you going to be happy? And she said to them, I'm not looking for the most beautiful, perfect tree. I'm looking for a tree that needs me, and then I'll make it beautiful. See, that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, I'm not looking for the most perfect person. I'm looking for a person that needs me, and then I'll make them beautiful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word and the truth of your word. Thank you that you speak to us through the Bible, through your scripture. And Lord, we, we are grateful. We're grateful for how you speak to us. We're grateful for what you've offered us, Lord, this, this life of the being transformed, this life of fixer-upper, this life of new birth and forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might receive from you exactly what you have for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you, we give you praise, we give you thanks for all these things in, in your precious and holy name, amen.